Anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 226 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, a lot of people are talking about The Bachelor, and they're thinking that maybe The Bachelor should be canceled since the host was just canceled. Why was he canceled? And was it part of cancel c- culture, or was it the right thing? for the executive producers to do. And has he been fired or maybe just stepped away for a couple weeks? And then he learned something and then came back because we see that happen a lot too. Also, uh, President Joe Biden has said by Christmas now, by Christmas, so they keep pushing this out, that things should be back to normal. But what is back to normal? And in the age of COVID, do you think we'll ever be back to normal? Before we get to that though, let's get to this. Is it time to get a refund on the defund? Uh, defund police. That was kind of a movement here. And in some ways, it pushed Carmen Best out. I think it's one of the reasons why the mayor, once again, is not running. And the city council, they all voted a number of months ago to defund the police. And now we're seeing the aftermath. I'm going to talk about the aftermath here here in a moment. What What is your thoughts on the de- on, on, on the defund here in Seattle? And how's it worked? I think if you diffuse the, all of the um, anger and resentment on the phrase... And you look at what the, the trying the goal is. I think there are some parts of the the ideology that I, I agree with, and that those parts being, um, is there a different way to think about community? You know, if we think about, um, we collect all these taxes. We have a community where whether you're in Pierce County or in Snohomish County or Seattle, wherever you live, Island County, you, there's a pool of money, and we have a pool of people. And so most of the people do their job and they're responsible and they're not allowed or the vast majority of people are kind of in the big middle of the bell curve. And then on the fringes, you have folks that are have problems. And so those problems range from drug abuse to homelessness to crime to abuse, whatever it is. So how is it how does the middle group? Take care of the fringe group. That's what we're talking about here. And so one of the arms of that solution has been police. And so police for the longest time were like, oh, well, they're going to take care of crime. And it's like, well, they, they can they also take care of drug addiction? Because when they're out there in the street, you're running into people that are doing drugs. So it's like, okay, well, that's not part of the police. Well, what about the homeless? Because when they're out there tracking down these drug deals, then they're going to run into these homeless encampments. So maybe maybe the police should be a part of that too. Okay, well, that's the police. Now they're into crime, into drugs, into homelessness. Well, a lot of these people are really messed up mentally, and we don't want to have violence against them. And so that's probably mental health. That's probably part of the police too. Okay, well now they're the, you just keep adding stuff Your points to are the police. You're saying this so well, and right it's now. like so okay, well maybe defund the police. Is there a different way to do that? And so that was the genesis of this, and then it just wasn't thought out very well. Uh, there was a knee jerk reaction 
to the chop and to all, you know, the George Floyd death and all of these things. And politicians were energized and wanted to do something and they didn't have a plan B. And that's where it broke down. I think you talked to any chief of police and you said, if we could take off of your plate being drug counselors and psychologists, would you prefer that? I think there's a chief in America that would say, no, 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 we like that. They would say, absolutely. Please take that off my plate. Well, here, here's the problem, though. Like, you talk to firefighters, and you're, and you're like, what do you like doing? They're like, we love house fires. We just love it. We love rescuing people. We love saving babies. We love saving dogs and animals. That's what we train for most of the time. Yeah, like the, like the action that you get from a house fire. You, you ask, like, Steve, my, my friend Steve, who works on Engine 20 here on the Hill. Great, great dad, great outdoorsman. And you say, what is it, what is it like to be a firefighter now? Because you see the engine, Engine 20, in my neighborhood all the time. He said, you know, it's mostly uh, heart attacks and opioid addiction. And so we are having to deal with the same thing that a lot of police officers are dealing with. And in fact, a lot of times they'll get on a scene and they'll immediately call the police and say, hey, you got to come because we have someone who there, there's an issue here, or maybe there's an overdose, or maybe we found drugs, whatever it is. So then they have to call police, bring police in. So, so you just explain the problem beautifully. And, and, and what you can't do, you can't go to Seattle Fire and say, you know what, you're firefighters. That's the job. That's what you signed up for. You didn't sign up to be EMTs and to be on a truck all day out dealing with people that are crazy and out of their minds from meth or heroin, which just runs through the city right now. You signed up to be a firefighter. So that's what, when you signed up to be 20 years ago and we fought a lot of structure fires, we didn't have a lot of sprinklers in place and a lot of commercial buildings. Uh, building codes were very different. A lot of homes burned. Uh, as a result of that, fast forward 20 years, the job has changed as a firefighter. It has. And if you want to say to firefighters, that's not your, your job. You, you, you don't need to go to those scenes because you're firefighters. Be, before you pull them out of that job, because it's the only thing you got right now, you have to figure out what the solution is. And then you have to, on the fly, you have to inject and create the solution. So if you want to deep now, let's look at the police departments, right? Because a lot of these guys signed up and they're like, hey, man, I, I want to help kids. I want to help the community. I want to help people that are in trouble. I want to give directions. I want to fight crime. Yeah. I want to, I want to do all those things. And, and, and now, just what you said, the five, six, seven, and you could have kept going. These other things that have been added to the job. Right now, that is the job. That is the job. Because there's no one else to do that job. Except for the 31 police officers that were on navigation teams that knew everybody in these homeless encampments. They knew their names, and they didn't show up with a badge, leaning on a gun. They showed these police, these Seattle police officers, some of those caring individuals I've ever been around. They didn't mind being social workers. They knew that they were social workers with a badge and a gun, helping people with services, helping to feed people, helping people that were mentally ill, helping. And, and now, you've always raised an important point. I want to inject it here. Sure. The reason why they had that gun is because when you walked into the jungle. Firefighters wouldn't go into the jungle without backup uh, alone. When you walked into that jungle and you could say, oh, well, they're just having a, a drug issue. They're having a, a, a mental health issue. But yeah, if they're having a mental health issue and they have a gun, like some of the guys that lived under the I-5 corridor, 
Don't you want a police officer that also has a gun? So that problem was never solved and it was never addressed. It was just part of it. They thought it would magically disappear if you had a civilian show up in a cardigan sweater that was trained in healthcare. In, in yeah, and I, health. mean, I mean, my old roommate, Jim Rogers, he shot three people dead. He's a detective for the Seattle PD. He's in a book. He's heralded as a hero. I don't know if he is or not because I wasn't there. But he has shot three people dead in this city. Uh, and, and, and one of those was near the jungle. So when things were happening in the jungle, we didn't care because we didn't see them. And now all of a sudden, the whole city of Seattle is a jungle because you closed the jungle. And now we have people in the parks. The reason why I'm sharing this, the other day, uh, one of our clients, Byron, has this great skateboard that he gave that I custom made and he gave it to my son. And my son wanted to go ride this skateboard the other day. And I was trying to remember where, where's a half pipe around here. There's one in Ballard at the Ballard Commons. So I, they're on winter break and we see all these kids doing a lot of fun stuff and they're traveling to Maui and just, we're, we're just not in a position to do that this year uh, with COVID-19 and everything else. So I said, let, let, let's go to the Ballard Commons. And then while we're there, there's a gentleman that I met uh, a number of months ago when I was looking to do some good things in the city because our real estate business has been doing very well and I wanted to help people. And I met a young man in the park. He's African-American gentleman, 30 years old, in a wheelchair, sleeping in a tent. And we'll just call him Tim. And Tim was scared to death living in that park. He wasn't mentally ill. He was driven. He truly is homeless. He was driven to homelessness. Uh, He lost his job. He's in this wheelchair. He is scared to death of the other people in the park. And when the navigation teams went away, because he's been living on and off in that park for almost two years. He said when the navigation teams went away, because the city council, when they said we're going to defund and and we're going to fire 100 officers, the first 31 were the navigation teams that were helping people like him that had hearts of gold. The city council dumped them and got rid of them. Then here's a story you won't read in the Seattle Times. Then 200 other officers, they've just walked away from SPD. Ed Troyer told you on the last episode, he's already hired seven of those guys because of what's happening in the city and the lawlessness and the fact that they don't have the backing of the mayor, certainly of the city council, and Carmen Best is gone. So my, I got out of the truck, and I told my son, I said, sit in the truck, lock the doors, and let me just go see if the half pipe's open. So I went over, and a gentleman immediately approached me, got in my face, and I said, sir, please back up. Uh, and he said, I don't have to. This is my home. And he, he proceeded to have a conversation with me. Then another gentleman came, and then this woman jumped out of an RV, and the next thing you know, there's eight people there. I can't use the colorful language on the... Well, actually, I could, but I'm not. The colorful, colorful language, the pointed colorful, colorful language. And the things that they began to shout at me, now they're videotaping me. They're telling me that they're going to call 5 uh, They follow me to my truck. They're taking pictures of me, my truck, uh, now they're standing in front of the truck and acting like they're not going to allow me to leave. Uh, someone's standing in the back. They're taking pictures of my license. It was really, you got a little bit of a feeling because this happens to a lot of police officers. Sometimes they'll show up to a scene and everybody pulls their camera out. It felt like that. And I'm sitting there going, I have my son in the truck. I have my dog and me. We came here to skateboard. It's 11 o'clock on it's a, a Tuesday. public park. And we have just been kicked and run out of this park. Uh, and there's no way, I'm a pretty tough guy. There's no way 
that I was going to uh, sit there and get on my phone and call 911 and get in a fight with those people and be right. It wasn't important for me in that moment to be right, that it was important for me to be safe. I shared this story on Facebook, defunding the police. So many people have called from that neighborhood and they say the, the, what the Ballard Commons has done to that neighborhood is, is, is atrocious. There was probably over 120 adults living in there and they sleep down uh, sometimes for shelter down in the bowl of the skateboard park. When the spray mist comes on, they sit there and they wash their clothes. And then they do open injections. I saw two people doing open injections on uh, on park benches. So even as an adult going in there with my son, there there is no way that I could provide protection for him at a city park that my tax dollars pay for. And I'm not trying to take over the park. I would just like for them to share the park. And this is what people told me. They said, when you, when you that live in that area, you said, when you call the police, they don't come. They just don't come. And that was the last comment I made to this gentleman. I said, you know, you can call the police. You can call 5-0, but you and I both know that they're not coming. Because 100 of them were fired, including the 31 from the navigation teams that used to come to these parks. And over 200 officers that have walked, and now they're being hired uh, in other agencies in Western Washington. Their chief recruiter is no longer there. She left the department early and has found another fantastic job with another fantastic company. But she was there recruiting, recruiting for the last 35 years. It's the reason why there's lots of women, black and brown people, on the department because of the job that she did. And, and I've, been, I've been monitoring and jumping in on the Facebook conversations that was going on around your, your, the thing that you wrote. I believe Seattle's worth saving. I believe Seattle's worth fighting for. I believe that if you're angry about this and you've seen this happen and you see tents everywhere, um, that there is solutions for this. And what we've been doing for the past 10 years has not worked. So people need to pay attention when it comes time to vote and our tax, uh, our property tax bills are going up a pretty big hike uh, that just came out. That's money is going towards these programs. Pay attention when you vote. Get involved on who you're going to vote for, that they have a plan to address this. Uh, and let's be part of the solution. Seattle is a world-class city. It is one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. It's not right now. And it's, it's not right now. It is not right now. But it is, I, I that is not true. And I, I was I, when I was walking through this park, and, and I've heard you say that, and I've said this, and we have to be honest, it's not true. It is not true. It's one of the reasons why people are leaving and heading to Auburn and Federal Way and Tacoma uh, in the east side, and and they're heading up north to places like Everett because I believe, you, you're, I, you, you're don't, right. you don't you don't feel safe right now in this city. And this city has become a garbage dump everywhere. The city says there's four four hundred of these encampments. There's thousands, Ron. There's th- and there's so many people that we don't see. And as a result of that, all the petty crime and the real crime that that bleeds into our neighborhood. So I believe on a Tuesday morning, at eleven o'clock. I should be able to take a 10-year-old on his winter break to a park and go skateboarding on Byron's skateboard. And I also believe that I'd want to share the park with everyone that wants to share that park with me. Uh, And during COVID, we have to share public spaces. I get that. But nonetheless, don't defund the police when you don't know what you're doing next. We will see you on the other side of this. Life comes at you fast. If it's time to downsize, upsize, or right-size your home, 
It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Kim Webb. Hi, I'm Kendall Webb. I'm actually from Colorado. We had always hoped that someday we would be able to move here. And when COVID hit, he was able to request to work remotely permanently. We found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And so what that created was a situation where, shoot, we're not prepared to sell the house in Duval, but we're, we ha- could have to do that quick. We did the Ron and Don sit down. Ron stepped right in, sent us all the comp information. Don sent us a list of all the things that we needed to begin to consider. Don, he was all over my property. Uh, helping me uh, get the the landscaping pulled together, um, making sure that it was going to show well. We ended up placing it on the market where we felt we would be happy uh, if we got that number. And as it turned out on offer review day, we had five offers that were well over our expectations. We were absolutely ecstatic. The sale price was 55K over ask, and that just blew us away. They negotiated the absolute best price we could have gotten for that home. We are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Sign up for the nation news at rondonradio.com. Okay, you guys, and don't forget, you just heard from one of our great clients. We have great clients, you guys. And if you'd like to sit down with us, you're under no obligation. We just do something called a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, you can book it yourself if you want at ronanddonsitdown.com. You can also email me directly, ron at windermere.com, if you want me to set it up for you. And if you want one of those uh, playbooks, whether it's a seller or a buyer, uh, things start with a playbook, and then we talk about whether we want to be on the team. You need to be strategic right now in the Pacific Northwest when it comes to buying or selling, because there's a lot going on, and we have the expertise in the team to get you to where you need to be. Yeah. Thanks for that, Ron. Ron and Don, sit down.com and let's uh, sit down. Some of you sit down sometimes and you watch The Bachelor. Do you? Are you still a Bachelor person? Have you ever been a Bachelor person? I've, uh, I've sampled it. I, I act like it's dumb and I don't care. And then I'll just get sucked in. And then I, I, I start learning all about the roses and who's good. Don't give the rose to Tina! No! I find myself. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a grown man. My son is sleeping, and I'm up watching The Bachelor The Bachelor. I always get to the point where it's like, wait a minute, you just did the private family meeting day with the other one, <laughs> and now you're making out with this one. Yeah. They're like, what is going on here? Why? You can't go to the hot tub with her. You were just in the hot tub with her. I love when they're in love with six people at the same time, and they can't decide who they're more in love with, and then some of the people actually get married. Which I know. It's crazy. Blows me away. Anyway, Chris Harrison, he has been the host on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for a long time. Uh, this is from People Magazine. He is facing some controversy right now, and he has stepped aside, stepping aside. He hasn't been fired. He hasn't quit. He's stepping aside for an extended period of time. Uh, And this is because comments, according to people, that he made about contestant Rachel Kirkconnell and her past racist actions. This is during an interview with her. Uh, Anyway, the TV personality, he's interviewing her on the show. And he said during the interview that Kirkconnell deserved compassion after social media posts of her surfaced, including Kirkconnell dressing up as a Native American person and attending an antebellum 
plantation theme ball. And then they went on to uh, he 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 went on to sympathize with her. Some other things that she had done. It should be pointed out that that de- this, the old South Ball was like four or five years ago when she was much younger. And so I I think that th- this cancel culture that we're seeing now, we need to re reframe this. Well, she, well, wasn't, she wasn't a public person. Well, well here's here's the thing. This and no one's talked about this. This interview is taped. Chris doesn't decide what makes the final cut. The producers of that show do. And they are trying to create as much clip clickbait and excitement as they can. So they he he tapes this I watched the interview. What was he, an incendiary? He, he he tapes this segment. The segment is then delivered on network television. They get all this blowback as a result and then they go and pressure him and say, "Hey, you have to step aside here." So He's he's taking the bullet on this, and the network's not, or the executive producers of The Bachelor are not. Chris is, and it's like if you thought that this was such a god awful thing that he did, then why did you even play the tape? Why didn't your producers sit there and go, "Yeah, Chris, you stepped over the line"? So whoever was putting that show together didn't feel like it was over the line. He until, was a guest on Extra until until that aired. Right. Well, what we're really talking about here is cancel culture, and so let's let's talk about the 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 woman. Is it Rachel? I think is her name. She, when she was a teenager, so this is it was two. It wasn't five years ago. It was two years ago. Okay, she's in her either late teenage, early twenties. I think it was her sorority. They rented, they leased out an event center that was a, an old plantation. And they had a party there that was a Southern themed party. Now I've been, to, I've toured plantations when I lived in the South as more of an educational thing. I didn't have a party there, but I've, I've spent money and paid my admission and walked through a plantation and I wanted to see what it looked like and where the main house was and where the slave quarters were and how I, I did this with George Washington's place. We went, walked through the slave quarters. So as a historical thing, I have done that. These are a lot of these are venues that are rented out for weddings and they're rented out for private parties and they're rented out as event spaces. So what we're saying here is if you all of a sudden bubble up into into the public limelight and I go back into your social media, into your history, and if I can find a picture of you at a party or in a costume years ago, that I that would not play in 2021. And that's what the host was arguing in this extra thing. He's like saying, we're overlaying 2021 expectations onto an event that happened in the past. She's not in the KKK. She was not painted up in blackface. But she was she well, wore a she wore a Southern Belle dress and went to a plantation and it was a Southern themed party. No, she was dressed up as a Native American. And the other thing that she did that she really got in trouble for is she was clicking on a lot of stuff that was KKK ish and white nationalist and giving hearts and loving those. So people went back through her social media feed. And this wasn't five years ago. And well, even if that's the case, the current bachelor is black. She is on the show, at least, saying that she has affection for possibly love for this black man on The Bachelor. Is she allowed as a human being 
to grow and change her worldview as she makes her way through life? I say yes. I say that you, you can look back and um, there are things that you and I and every person listening to the show that you did when you were 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, parties that you went to, situations that you were in, that if you looked at it through the lens of today, you'd be like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm embarrassed by that. The difference it, there wasn't social media. Everybody didn't have a camera on their phone. Everything wasn't photographed and videotaped and posted online to be memorialized uh, on the World Wide Web. And so is she the perfect human being? No. Did she do some questionable things years ago? Yeah. Should she be allowed to go, wow, now in 2021, I've met a black man that I'm very fond of. I'm embarrassed by those things I did in the past. I had a different upbringing and education level. I wouldn't do that now. Isn't that what we believe in? See, we started to, in episode 225. We, we talked about meeting in the middle. And some things deserve to be canceled. They do. And maybe there's something with Chris we don't know about. Or maybe there's some tape out there I haven't listened to or a comment. Because uh, I don't follow The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that much. I think what would have been more powerful is to take the gentleman who is the African-American contestant, and these are contestants, you guys, and they're also making brands for themselves. It's all about making that brand. They just want to be on the show and make that brand. And you, you think about the first Bachelor. His name's Jason, right? And, and he is here benefiting on a business that he runs going all the way back to the time that he was on The Bachelor. He uses that leverage. So people on the show know that. They, they it, it gives them leverage. It allows them to begin the, that uh, the building the brand. So sometimes you pretend you're in love with someone because you want to be in the hot tub because you want to be on that show long enough to get that kind of attention and to be People Magazine and all that. Going back, I think it'd be much more powerful. Take Chris. You have former contestants that were on there that were African American that are saying he should have been fired or I don't appreciate what he said or that was racist or he deserved to be canceled. And, and to take some of those former contestants, current contestants, to take Chris himself, to take some of the host of that show that, that rolled that tape and felt like this was okay, and, 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 and then maybe even sit down with The Bachelor himself and to talk about this, to have a conversation about this. These are the conversations that we're not having. And, and when you participate in cancel culture, and believe me, there's some things that deserve to be canceled. But if we cancel everything that we don't quite get, understand, or we don't allow another person to grow and to change, then again, we're back to that black and white world. We're, we're not living in those gray areas, in those gray spaces. We're not, we, we're not meeting each other in the middle. And now what The Bachelor is doing is basically pretending like this never happened. He has stepped aside. We'll see if he comes back because they're just waiting to see how the show ratings do. And if the show takes a dump, they will find a way to bring him back because cash is king. If the show does very well without him, then they'll push on and it'll be Billy Bush all over again, who did the tape with President Trump. Finally now, finally now, four years later, Billy Bush is back on television. And I bet that I bet that's what's going to happen with Chris, too. Anyway, uh, your thoughts, you can reach out, reach out to us at Run It On Radio on Facebook or Run Upshaw or Don O'Neill. 
uh, look for us on Instagram. What's your handle on uh, Instagram? I'm Don O'Neill 34. I believe I'm Ron Upshaw. Okay. There we go. Uh, don't go anywhere, you guys. Don't cancel us because we got one more segment right after this. Whether you're buying or selling, everyone needs a team. That's what Team Bronco did. That's what Team Lone Star did. That's what Team Wallace did. That's what Team Michigan did. Go Blue! All right, guys, final segment on the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, again, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. We're sitting down with a lot of people virtually, and we're helping clients right now. In fact, we just talked to a client this morning, Port Orchard. Uh, we're bringing on homes in Everett, uh, bringing on homes in Normandy Park, bringing on homes on the east side here in Seattle and Ballard. So very, very, very busy time. And also, we have a lot of buyers right now uh, that we're helping too. And you need help in this market. Yeah, you do. You need help. You better have a great team, a very aggressive team. Uh, And Ron and I are very, very aggressive, very aggressive negotiators. And we put our heart and soul uh, into each and every transaction. So isn't that right, Charlie? Yeah. How are you? What's going on? Anyway. Hey, uh, back to normal, right? They say uh, we're all going to be back to normal by Christmas. Uh, Joe Biden gave a news conference the other day, and he said he believed that there'll be 300 million doses uh, that will be available here in the United States by the end of July. There's only 360 million of us, but on some of these doses, they have to be double doses, and they don't really always explain that. Back to normal by Christmas. My question is, Ron, what is back to normal look like? And will we ever be back to normal? Do we want to be back to normal? Uh, That is the billion dollar question. I was watching uh, some concert video popped up on my YouTube the other day. And it was like, get a mask on. What are you people doing? So I was like, I had to stop myself. It's an old concert. Yeah. It was a concert from like, you know, five years ago or whatever. And it's like these people <laughs> crammed in there and you know, immediately I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You can't do that. Right. Or you'll watch a TV show and like everyone's in a crowded restaurant. Double eating. mask, six feet apart, double right. mask. So yeah. it's become so ingrained. It will be, um, I'm looking forward to it. If, if normal means you could go to a movie theater uh, or go to a concert, uh, go to a restaurant, uh, you know, things are, or go to the gym and not be, you know, one paranoid, one paranoid all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be normal, a version of normal. Uh, and, and I think we're, we're getting there. I'm optimistic for that. Being able to travel, um, my brother and I are, are planning this trip to Italy uh, in the fall, oh, and, nice. and we're hoping that it doesn't get canceled. But to be able to, you know, call your family and go, "Hey, I'm going to come down for a visit. It's your birthday. It's an anniversary. It's a special event. Winter break. Uh, I'm going to take my son, hop on a plane, and we're going to go have an adventure." That to me is normal. If I have to wear a mask part of the time, or even most of the time, while I'm doing that, that doesn't bother me. Uh, if it's like while you're on the plane, wear a mask. Don't like it, but I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, where while you're in the movie theater, you know, wear a mask. Eh, that may. I'm not. It's not my favorite thing, but okay. Like it would be worth it to me to be able to go to a show, uh, even if I have to wear a mask. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I don't know if those things pop up, which says one year ago today. Yeah. On your Facebook page. What really sucks is when that pop up is if, if you were in a relationship with someone and you thought you threw the pictures all away and then all of a sudden something pops up and you're just like, oh. I had that with my dog that died. Oh, 
yeah. Six years ago, it's like, yeah. thanks, my dog's dead now. Yeah. Thanks, you, Facebook. They used to rotate in on those, my my late sister, and I. it was really rough because I didn't expect those. And it, w- it would just take you back to that moment when she passed away. I've healed enough and processed enough since then. So when I see the picture, it's, it's a delight to see her. Uh, but when that was happening, I didn't enjoy that. So a year ago this week, winter break, my son and I were with my friend Maui Joe. And we were in Maui and we went swimming with the turtles. And I've shared that story before. Where we got out, my son didn't. I thought he wanted to see the turtles. He wanted to swim. I wasn't even sure. It's he a great swim. story. Go back and uh, swipe through the episodes. This the a yeah. year ago. That, sometimes at the end of the podcast, and maybe on the end of this one, you'll hear where he says, "Hey, have some black belt courage." It's because he was taking black belt classes. We got out uh, a little far out there, and I wanted to turn around and go back because I was just afraid for him. That was only a year ago. That yeah. seems like seventeen he years said, ago. He said, "Daddy, you know what? We just got to have some black belt courage out here." So, uh, and then we ended up. Crushed on the rock. We'll have to have him come on because it's part of that story I've never told before where I ended up bruised and bloody when I walked out of the water. Uh, that's another story for another day. So, and he loves telling that story. Anyway, It'd be great that was to be normal. normal. We, were, we were flying back on, on this plane from Maui. And I, and I remember going, wow, this, this coronavirus, it's, it's a real thing. This is no longer just a couple of cases uh, overseas. This is now happening in, in the US. And and that was kind of the last normal moment because then immediately uh, right after that, uh, we've been in, in some form of lockdown. Not like a Ukrainian Soviet Union lockdown, but some form of, of lockdown. There's some areas in my life I don't want to go back to normal. Like COVID-19 has made me a better father. It has made me lean in and show up for my son in ways that I have never shown up before. Because I wasn't forced to. And it has allowed me to forge a relationship with him that I've never had. And, and I felt very close to him a year ago when we were swimming at the Turtles in Maui. And he told me to uh, not lose hope and to have black belt courage. It's, it's, it, I, I don't, whatever, even though I have that fond memory, that incredible memory, um, I feel differently towards him and, and he towards me. And it's not that we didn't have love and mutual respect and, 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 and friendship. It's just we have more of that now. The conversations I have had with my mother almost every day. I never talk to my mother every day. I've had dinner with my mom more this year than I have had uh, since I was 19 and I, and, and I still lived in New Mexico. And we just dial each other up. And I say, hey, mom, why don't you make some dinner? And we're going to make some dinner on this end. And we, we sit together and we have dinner together. It's like I would have never done that. I wouldn't call my mom every day or every other day and check in on her and she on me. I wouldn't have had the powerful conversations that her and I have had together. And so I don't want to go back to normal. I want to keep calling my mom every day because I don't know when the minutes and moments of this relationship are going to be up. I, I think of an... A, I'll just end it with this. Think about all the places that you've always wanted to go. And now you're going and now you're going to go like Ron sitting there going, Hey, you know what? My brother and I have always talked about going to Italy and eating some of the world's greatest pizza. We've always talked about it. Well, you know what he's done during COVID is he said, I only got so many minutes and moments in this lifetime with my brother. Damn it. We're going to, we're just in faith. We're going to book some tickets. 
and we're going to show up and we're going to go places we've never gone before. I think what we've learned is how valuable time is, how valuable our health is, health and time, health and time, health and time. What are you going to do with your minutes and moments that are left? What are you going to do with health and time? I don't know about you, but in a lot of ways, I don't want to go back to normal. All right? He's Ron. I'm Don. Keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time. And hopefully, here's my son now telling you to have some black belt courage. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not doing it. Ha, 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 ha.